0: Chapter nineteen of She and Alan This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Reading by Lars Rolander. She and Alan by H. Rider Haggard Chapter nineteen The Spell. Of our return to Cor, I need say nothing, except that in due course we reached that interesting ruin. The journey was chiefly remarkable for one thing, that on this occasion, I imagine for the first and last time in his life, Umslopogaas consented to be carried in a litter, at least for part of the way. He was, as I have said, unwounded. FOR THE AXE OF HIS MIGHTY FOE HAD NEVER ONCE SO MUCH AS TOUCHED HIS SKIN. WHAT HE SUFFERED FROM WAS SHOCK, A KIND OF COLLAPSE, SINCE ALTHOUGH FEW WOULD HAVE THOUGHT IT, THIS GREAT AND UTTERLY FEARLESS WARRIOR WAS AT BOTTOM A NERVOUS, HIGHLY STRUNG MAN. IT IS ONLY THE NERVOUS THAT CLIMB THE HIGHEST POINTS OF ANYTHING, AND THIS IS TRUE OF FIGHTS AS OF ALL OTHERS. That fearful fray with Rezu had been a great strain on the Zulu. As he put it himself, The wizard has sucked the strength out of him, especially when he found that, owing to his armor, he could not harm him in front, and owing to his cunning could not get at him behind. Then it was that he conceived the desperate expedient of leaping over his head and smiting backwards as he leapt. A trick, he told me, that he had once played years before, when he was young, in order to break a shield ring and reach one who stood in the center. In this great leap over Rezu's head, Umslopogaas knew that he must succeed or be slain, which in turn would mean my death and that of the others. For this reason he faced the shame of seeming to fly in order to gain the high ground whence alone he could gather the speed necessary to such a terrific spring. Well, he made it, and thereby conquered, and this was the end. But, as he said, it had left him weak as a snake when it crawls out of his hole into the sun after the long winter's sleep. Of one thing, Umslopogaas added, he was thankful— Namely, that Rezo had never succeeded in getting his arms round him, since he was quite certain that if he had, he would have broken him. As a baboon breaks a mealy stalk! No strength, not even his, could have resisted the iron might of that huge gorilla-like man. I agreed with him, who had noted Rezo's vast chest and swelling muscles, also the weight of the blows that has struck with the steel-shafted axe, which, by the way, when I sought for it, was missing, stolen, I suppose, by one of the Amahagger. Whence did that strength come, I wondered, in one who from his face appeared to be old? Was there perchance, after all, some truth in the legend of Samthon, and did it well in that gigantic beard, and those long locks of his. It was impossible to say, and probably the man was but a Herculan freak, for that he was as strong as Hercules, all the stories that I heard afterwards of his feats left little room for doubt. But one thing only was I certain in connection with him, namely, that the tales of his supernatural abilities were the merest humbug. He was simply one of the representatives of the family of strong men of whom examples are still to be seen doing marvellous feats all over the earth. For the rest, he was dead and broken up by those amahagger bloodhounds before I could examine him or his body-armour either. And there was an end of him and his story. But when I looked at the corpse of poor Robertson, which I did as we buried it where he fell, and saw that though so large and sick that it was cleft almost in two by a single blow of Rezu's axe. I came to understand what the might of this savage must have been. I say savage, but I am not sure that this is a right description of Rezu. Evidently he had a religion of a sort, also imagination as was shown by the theft of the white woman to be his queen by his veiling of her to resemble ayesha whom he dreaded by the intended propitiatory sacrifice by the guard of women sworn to her service who slew the priest that tried to kill her and afterwards committed suicide when they had failed in their office and by other things all this indicated something more than savagery perhaps survivals from a forgotten civilization, or perhaps native ability on the part of an individual ruler. I do not know, and it matters nothing. Rezo is dead, and the world is well rid of him, and those who want to learn more of his people can go to study such as remain of them in their own habitat, which, for my part, I never wished to visit any more. During our journey to Cor, poor Ines never stirred. Whenever I went to look at her in the litter, I found her lying there with her eyes open, and a fixed stare upon her face, which frightened me very much, since I began to fear lest she should die. However, I could do nothing to help her, except urge the bears to top speed. So swiftly did we travel down the hill and across the plain, that we reached Kor just as the sun was setting. As we crossed the moat I perceived old Bilali coming to meet us. This he did with many bows, keeping an anxious eye upon the litter which he had learnt contained Umslopogaas. Indeed his attitude and that of the Amahagger towards the two of us, and even Hans, thenceforward became almost abject since after our victory over resu and his death beneath the axe they looked upon us as half divine and treated us accordingly o mighty general he said she who commands bids me conduct the lady who is sick to the place that has been made ready for her which is near your own so that you may watch over her if you will i wondered how ayesha knew that inez was sick but, being too tired to ask questions, merely bade him lead on. They sitted, taking us to another ruined house next to our own quarters, which had been swept, cleaned, and furnished after a fashion, and, moreover, cleverly roofed in with mats, so that it was really quite comfortable. Here we found two middle-aged women of a very superior type, who, Bilali, informed me, were by trade nurses of the sick. Having seen her laid upon her bed, I committed Ennis to their charge, since the case was not one that I dared to try to doctor myself, not knowing what drug of the few I possessed should be administered to her. Moreover, Bilali comforted me with the information that soon she who commands would visit her and make her well again, as she could do. I answered that I hoped so, and went to our quarters, where I found an excellent meal ready cooked, and with it a stone flagon, of the contents of which Billali said we were all three to drink by the command of Asha, who declared that it would take away our weariness. I tried the stuff, which was pale yellow, in colour, like sherry, and, for aught I knew, might be poison, to find it most comforting, though it did not seem to be very strong to the taste. Certainly, too— its effects were wonderful since presently all my great weariness fell from me like a discarded cloak and i found myself with a splendid appetite and feeling better and stronger than i had done for years in short that drink was a cocktail of the best one of which i only wish i possessed the recipe though ayesha told me afterwards that it was distilled from quite harmless herbs and not in any sense a spirit Having discovered this, I gave some of it to Hans, also to Umslopogaas, who was with the wounded Zulus, who, we found, were progressing well towards complete recovery, and lastly to Goroko, who also was worn out. On all of these the effect of that magical brew proved most satisfactory. Then, having washed, I ate a splendid dinner— though in this respect hans who was seated on the ground nearby, far outpast my finest efforts baas he said things have gone very well with us when they might have gone very ill the baas red-beard is dead which is a good thing since a madman would have been difficult to look after and a brain full of moonshine is a bad companion for any one "'Oh, without doubt he's better dead, "'though your reverend father the predikant "'will have a hard job looking after him "'there in the place of fires.' "'Perhaps,' I said with a sigh, "'since it is better to be dead than to live a lunatic. "'But what I fear is that the lady, his daughter, will follow him.' "'Oh, no, boss,' replied Hans cheerfully, "'though I dare say that she will always be a little mad also, "'because, you see, it—it it is in her blood, "'and doubtless she has looked on dreadful things. "'But the great medicine will see to it that she does not die "'after we have taken so much trouble "'and gone into such big dangers to save her. "'That great medicine is very wonderful, Baas, First of all, it makes you general over those Amahagger.' who without you would never have fought as the witch who ties up her head in a cloth knew well enough then it brings us safe through the battle and gives strength to M'slepog as to kill the old man-eating giant why did it not give me strength to kill him hans i let him have two express bullets on his chest which hurt him no more than a tap upon the horns with a dancing stick would hurt a bull the buffalo Oh, pass. perhaps you missed him, who, because you hit things, sometimes think that you do so always. Having waited to see if I would rise to this piece of insolence, which, of course, I did not, he went on by way of letting me down easily. Or perhaps he wore very good armor under his beard. "'for I saw some of those amahagger who pulled his hair off and cut him to pieces "'go away with what looked like little bits of brass. "'Also the great medicine meant that he should be killed by Umslopogas and not by you, "'since otherwise Umslopogas would have been sad for the rest of his life, "'whereas now he will walk about the world as proud as a cock, "'with two tails and crow all night as well as all day.' "'Then, Baas, when Reza broke the square and the amahagger began to run, without doubt it was the great medicine which changed their hearts and made them brave again, so that they charged at the right moment when they saw it going forward on your breast, and instead of being eaten up, ate up the cannibals.' "'Indeed, I thought that the lady who dwells yonder had something to do with that business.' did you see her hands oh yes i saw her baas and i think that without doubt she lifted the cloth from over her head and when the people of rhesus saw how ugly was the face beneath it did frighten them a little but doubtless the great medicine put that thought into her also for baas what could a silly woman do in such a case did you ever know of a woman who was of any use in a battle or for anything else except to nurse babies and this one does not even do that no doubt because being so hideous under that sheet no man can be found to marry her Now I looked up by chance, and in the light of the lamp saw Ayesha standing in the room, which she had entered through the open doorway, within six feet of Hans back indeed. Be sure, Baas, he went on, that this bundle of rags is nothing but a common old cheat who frightens people by pretending to be a spook as if she dared to say that it was she who made those stinking amahaga charge and not the great medicine of the opener of the roads i would tell her to her face now i was too paralyzed to speak and while i was reflecting that it was fortunate ayesha did not understand dutch she moved a little so that one of the lamps behind her caused her shadow to fall on the back of the squatting hands and over it on to the floor beyond he saw it and stared at the distorted shape of the hooded head, then slowly screwed his neck round and looked upwards behind him. For a moment he went on staring as though he were frozen. Then, uttering a wild yell, he scrambled to his feet, bolted out of the house, and vanished into the night. "'It seems, Alan,' said Asha slowly, that yonder yellow ape of yours is very bold at throwing sticks when the leopardess is not beneath the tree but when she comes it is otherwise with him oh make no excuse for i know well that he was speaking ill things of me because being curious as apes are he burns to learn what is behind my veil and being simple believes that no woman would hide her face unless its fashion were not pleasing to the nice taste of men. Then, to my relief, she laughed a little softly, which showed me that she had a sense of humor, and went on. Well, let him be, for he is a good ape, and courageous in his fashion, as he showed when he went out to spy upon the host of Rezo. AND STABBED THE MURDER-PRIEST BY THE STONE OF SACRIFICE. HOW CAN YOU KNOW THE WORDS OF HANS, ASHA? I ASKED, SEEING THAT HE SPOKE IN A TONGUE WHICH YOU HAVE NEVER learnt. PERHANS I READ FACES, ALLAN. OR BACKS, I SUGGESTED, REMEMBERING THAT HIS WAS TURNED TO HER. OR BACKS, OR VOICES, OR HEARTS. IT MATTERS LITTLE WHICH, SINCE READ I DO. But have done with such childish talk, and lead me to this maiden who has been snatched from the claws of Rezu, and a fate that is worse than death. Do you understand, Alan, that ere the demon Reza took her to wife, the plan was to sacrifice her own father to her, and then eat him as the woman with her was eaten, and before her eyes? Now the father is dead, which is well." AS I THINK THE LITTLE YELLOW MAN SAID TO YOU. NAY, START NOT. I READ IT FROM HIS BACK. HA! J.B. SINCE HAD HE LIVED, WHOSE BRAIN WAS ROTTED, HE WOULD HAVE RAVED TILL HIS DEATH DAY. BETTER, THEREFORE, THAT HE SHOULD DIE LIKE A MAN FIGHTING AGAINST A FOE UNCONQUERABLE BY ALL SAVE ONE. BUT SHE STILL LIVES. Ay, BUT MINDLESS, Asham which in a great trouble such as she has passed is a blessed state o alan bethink you have there not been days ay and months in your own life when you would have rejoiced to sleep in mindlessness and should we not perchance be happier all of us if like beasts we could not remember foreknow and understand Oh, men talk of heaven But believe me, the real heaven is one of dreamless sleep, Since life and wakefulness, however high their scale, And on whatever star, mean struggle, Which being so oft mistaken must breed sorrow, Or remorse that spoils all. Come now. So I preceded her to the next ruined house, Where we found Inez lying on the bed, Still clothed in her barbaric trappings although the veil had been drawn off her face. There she lay, wide-eyed and still, while the women watched her. Ayesha looked at her a while, then said to me, So they tricked her out to be Ayesha's mock and image, and in time accepted by those barbarians as my very self, and even set the seals of royalty on her, And she pointed to the gold disk stamped with the likeness of the sun. Well, she is a fair maiden, white and gently bred, The first such that I have seen for many an age, Nor did she wish this trickery. Moreover, she has taken no hurt, Her soul has sunk deep into the sea of horror, And that is all, whence doubtless it can be drawn again. Yet I think it best that for a while she should remember not, lest her brain break, as did her father's. And therefore no net of mine shall drag her back to memory. Let that return gently in future days, and then of it not too much, for so shall all this terror become to her a void in which sad shapes move like shadows, and as shadows are soon forgot and gone. No more to be held than dreams by the awakening sense. Stand aside, Alan, and you women leave us for a while. I obeyed, and the women bowed and went. Then Ayesha drew up a veil and knelt down by the bed of Inez, but in such a fashion that I could not see her face, although I admit that I tried to do so. I could see, however, that she set her lips against those of Ines, and, as I gathered by her motions, seemed to breathe into her lips. Also she lifted her hands, and placing one of them upon the heart of Ines, for a minute or more swayed the other from side to side above her eyes, pausing at times to touch her upon the forehead with her fingertips. Presently Ines stirred and sat up whereon Ayesha took a vessel of milk, which stood upon the floor, and held it to her lips. Inez drank to the last drop, then sank on to the bed again. For a while longer Ayesha continued her motions of her hands, then let fall her veil and rose. "'Look, I have laid a spell upon her,' she said, beckoning to me to draw near. I did so, and perceived that now the eyes of Inez were shut, and that she seemed to be plunged in a deep and natural sleep. So she will remain for this night and that day which follows, said Ayesha, and when she wakes it will be, I think, to believe herself once more a happy child. Not until she sees her home again will she find her womanhood, AND THEN ALL THIS STORY WILL BE FORGOTTEN BY HER. OF HER FATHER YOU MUST TELL HER THAT HE DIED WHEN YOU WENT OUT TO HUNT THE RIVER BEAST TOGETHER, AND IF SHE SEEKS FOR CERTAIN OTHERS THAT THEY HAVE GONE AWAY. BUT I THINK THAT SHE WILL ASK LITTLE MORE WHEN SHE LEARNS THAT HE IS DEAD, SINCE I HAVE LAID THAT COMMAND UPON HER SOUL. HYPNOTIC SUGGESTION, THOUGHT I TO MYSELF, AND I ONLY HOPE TO HEAVEN THAT IT WILL WORK. Ayesha seemed to guess what was passing through my mind, for she nodded and said, Have no fear, Alan, for I am what the black axe-bearer and the little yellow man called a witch, which means, as you who are instructed now, one who has knowledge of medicine and other things, and who hosts a key to some of the mysteries that lie hid in nature. For instance, I suggested— OF HOW TO TRANSPORT YOURSELF INTO A BATTLE AT THE RIGHT MOMENT, AND OUT OF IT AGAIN, ALSO AT THE RIGHT MOMENT? Yes, Alan, since, watching from afar, I saw that those Amahagar curs were about to flee, and that I was needed there to hearten them, and to put fear into the army of Rezo, so I came. But how did you come, Ayesha? She laughed as she answered perhaps i did not come at all perhaps you only thought i came since i seemed to be there the rest matters nothing as i still looked unconvinced she went on oh foolish man seek not to learn of that which is too high for you yet listen you in your ignorance suppose that the soul dwells within the body do you not i answered that i had always been under this impression yet alan it is otherwise for the body dwells within the soul like the pearl in an oyster i suggested ay in a sense since the pearl which to you is beautiful is to the oyster a sickness and a poison and so is the body to the soul whose temple it troubles and defiles Yet round it is the white and holy soul that ever seeks to bring the vile body to its own purity and colour yet oft-times fails learn alan that flesh and spirit are the deadliest foes joined together by a high decree that they may forget their hate and perfect each other or failing be separate to all eternity the spirit going to its own place and the flesh to its corruption a strange theory i said ay alan and one which is so new to you that never will you understand it yet it is true and i set it out to for this reason the soul of man being at liberty and not cooped within his narrow breast is in touch with that soul of the universe which men know as god whom they call by many names Therefore it has all knowledge, and perhaps all power, and at times the body within it, if it be a wise body, can draw from this well of knowledge and abounding power. So at least can I. And now you will understand why I am so good a doctoress, and how I came to appear in the battle, as you said, at the right time, and to leave it when my work was done. Oh, yes, I answered i quite understand i thank you much for putting it so plainly she laughed a little appreciating my jest looked at the sleeping inez and said the fair body of this lady dwells in a large soul i think though one of a somewhat sombre hue for souls have their colours alan and stain that which is within them she will never be a happy woman the black people named her sad eyes i said is it so well i name her sad heart though for such often there is joy at last meanwhile she will forget yes she will forget the worst and how narrow was the edge between her and the arms of rezu just the width of the blade of the axe in kosikas i answered but tell me ayesha Why could not that axe cut, and why did my bullets flatten, or turn aside, when these smote the breast of Rezu?" "'Because his front armor was good, Alan, I suppose,' she replied indifferently, "'and on his back he wore none.' "'Then why did you fill my ears with such a different tale about that horrible giant having drunk of a cup of life, and all the rest?' I asked with irritation. I have forgotten, Alan, perhaps because the curious, such as you are, like to hear tales even stranger than their own, which in the days to be may become their own. Therefore you will be wise to believe only what I do, and of what I tell you, nothing. I don't, I exclaimed, exasperated. She laughed again, and replied, What need to say to me that which I know already? yet perhaps in the future it may be different since often by the alchemy of the mind the fables of our youth are changed into the facts of our age and we become to believe in anything as your little yellow man believes in some savage named zikali and those amahagger believe in the talisman round your neck and i who am the maddest of you all believe in love and wisdom and the black warrior umslopogaas believes in the virtue of that great axe of his rather than in those of his own courage and of the strength that wields it fools every one of us though perchance i am the greatest fool among them now take me to the warrior umslopogaas whom i would thank as i thank you alan and the little yellow man although he jeers at me with his sharp tongue not knowing that if I were angered with a breath I could cause him to cease to be, then why did you not choose Rezu to cease to be, and his army also, Asha? It seems that I have done these things through the acts of Umslopogas, and by the help of your generalship, Alan, why then waste my own strength when yours lay to my hand? Because you had no power over Rezu, Asha, or so you told me have i not said that my words are snowflakes meant to melt and leave no trace hiding my thoughts as this veil hides my beauty yes as the beauty is beneath the veil perchance there is truth beneath the words though not that truth you think so you are well answered and for the rest i wonder whether reza thought i had no power over him when yonder on the mountain spur he saw me float down upon his companies like a spirit of the night well perchance some day i shall learn this and many other things i made no answer since what was the use of arguing with a woman who told me frankly that all she said was false so although i longed to ask her why these amahager had such reverence for the talisman that hans called the great medicine since now i guessed that her first explanations concerning it were quite untrue i held my tongue yet as we went out of the house by some coincidence she alluded to this very matter i wish to tell you allan she said why it was those amahagger would not accept you as a general till their eyes had seen that which you wear upon your breast their tale of a legend of this very thing seemed that of savages or of their cunning priests not to be believed by a wise man such as you are like some others that you have heard in coral yet it has in it a grain of truth for as it chanced a little while ago about a hundred years ago i think the old wizard whose picture is cut upon the wood came to visit her who held my place before me as a ruler of this tribe she was very like me and as i believe my mother, Alan, because of her repute for wisdom. At that time, I have heard, there was a question of war between the worshippers of Lulala and the grandfather of Resu. But this Zikali told the people of Lulala that they must not fight the people of Resu until in a day to come a white man should visit Kor and bring with him a piece of wood on which was cut the image of a dwarf like to that of Sikali himself then and not before they must fight and conquer the people of rezu now this story came down among them and you who may have thought the first tale magical will understand it in its simplicity is it not so you wise alan oh yes i answered except that i do not see how zikali can have come here a hundred years ago since men do not live as long although he pretends to have done so no alan nor do i but perhaps it was his father or his grandfather who came since being observant you will have noted that if the parent is misformed so often are the descendants also that the pretence of wizardry at times comes down with the blood Again I made no answer, for I saw that Asha was fooling me, and before she could exhaust that amusement we reached the place where Umslopogaas and his men were gathered round a camp-fire. He sat silent, but Goroku, with much animation, was telling the story of the fight in picturesque and colorful language, or that part of it which he had seen, for the benefit of the two wounded men who took no share in it and who, lying on the blankets with their heads thrust forwards, were listening with eagerness to the entrancing tale. Suddenly they caught sight of Asha, and those of the party who could stand sprang to their feet, while one and all they gave her the royal salute of Bayete. She waited till the sound had died away. Then she said, I come to thank you and your men, o wielder of the axe who have shown yourself very great in battle and to say to you that my spirit tells me that every one of you yes even those who are still sick will come safe to your own land again and live out your years with honour again they saluted at this pleasing intelligence when i had translated it to them for of course they knew no arabic then she went on i am told Um, umslopogaas son of the lion as a certain king was named in your land that the fight you made against resu was a very great fight and that such a leap as yours above his head when you smote him with the axe on the hinder parts where, where he wore no armor and brought him to his death has not been seen before nor will be again i rendered the words and umslopogaas, preferring truth to modesty, replied emphatically that this was the case. Because of that fight and that leap, Asha went on, as for other deeds that you have done and will do, my spirit tells me that your name will live in story for many generations, yet of what use is fame to the dead? Therefore, I make you an offer. Bide here with me and you shall rule these amahagger, and with them the remnant of the people of Rezu, Your cattle shall be countless, and your wives the fairest in the land, and your children many, for I will lift a certain curse from off you, so that no more shall you be childless. Do you accept, O holder of the axe? When he understood, Umslopogaas, after pondering a moment, asked if i meant to stay in this land and marry the white chieftainis who spoke such wise words and could appear and disappear in the battle at her will and like a mountain top hid her head in a cloud which was his way of alluding to her veil i answered at once and with decision that i intended to do nothing of the sort and immediately regretted my words since although i spoke in zulu i suppose she read their meaning from my face at any rate she understood the drift of them tell him allan she said with a kind of icy politeness that you will not stop here and marry me because if i ever choose a husband he would not be a little man at the doors of whose heart so many women's hands have knocked yes even those that are black and not i think in vain one, moreover, who holds himself so clever that he believes he has nothing left to learn, and in every flower of truth that is shown to him, however fair, smells only poison, and beneath, nurturing it, sees only the gross root of falsehood planted in corruption. Tell him these things, Alan, if it pleases you. It does not please me, I answered in a rage at her insults. Nor is it needful, Alan since if I caught the meaning of that barbarous tongue you use aright, you have told him already. Well, let the jest pass, O man who least of all things desires to be Ayesha's husband, and whom Ayesha, lest of all things, desires as her spouse, and ask the axe-bearer nothing, since I perceive that without you he will not stay at Kor, nor indeed is it fated that he should do so. For now my spirit tells me, what it hid from me when I spoke a moment gone, that this warrior shall die in a great fight far away, and that between then and now much sorrow waits him who, save that of one, knows not how to win the love of women. Let him say moreover what reward he desires, since if I can give it to him, it shall be his. Again I translated. Umslopogaas received her prophecies in stoical silence, and as I thought with indifference, and only said in reply, The glory that I have won is my reward, and the only boon I seek at this queen's hands is that, if she can, she should give me the sight of a woman for whom my heart is hungry and with it knowledge that this woman lives in that land whither i travel like all men when she heard these words ayesha said true i had forgotten your heart also is hungry i think alan for the vision of sundry faces that you see no more well i will do my best but since only faith fulfils itself how can i who must strive to pierce the gates of darkness for one so unbelieving know that they will open at my word come to me both of you at the sunset to-morrow then as though to change the subject she talked to me for a long while about kor of which she told me a most interesting history true or false that i omit here at length as though suddenly she had grown tired Waving her hand to show that the conversation was ended, Asha went to the wounded men and touched them each in turn. Now they will recover swiftly, she said, and leaving the place was gone into the darkness. End of chapter 19 of She and Allen by H. Rider Haggard Read by Lars Rolander